0: You glad you're here tonight? Say amen. Amen. Man, what preaching. Boy, I tell you, we could go home tonight already and say, Lord, we got our wagon loaded. We got our wagon loaded. Thank you, preacher, from the depths of my heart. I appreciate that. And I thank God for his men. Boy, they've been faithful. Every one of these men to preach the word of God to us. And I certainly don't want to waste the grace of God. I thank the Lord for it. That's how every one of us got in in fact, that's how everyone got in. You say, all preacher in the Old Testament is saved by law. Nobody's ever been saved by the law. Nobody. In fact, the Bible said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Moses told us that he got in by grace. The Hebrew writer even echoes that to us, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you, preacher, for preaching the word of God to us tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to be like, uh, I want to be like uh, that, that man that revealed to us in Psalm the great testimony of God's grace. As he got older, like many of us, his memory began to fail. And some of his friends began to poke fun at him a little bit about the fact that his memory was failing. And he said, I, I, am a, I remember two things. He said that I am a great sinner, and that Christ is a great Savior. And he he memorized a text of Scripture that's repeated often in the book of Deuteronomy. The 15th chapter It's found in verse 15. Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. He never wanted to forget it, so he wrote it down and put it beside of his bed. And he pinned down that great hymn we love so well, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. First Thessalonians chapter five. Would you stand with me tonight while we read the King James Bible, preacher? How long you want me to take? I'd be glad just to be gracious. What, whatever, whatever you want me to do. I mean that from the depths of my heart. I. I want to do that. I absolutely want to do that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you will. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Bible said in verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. And to this I say, Amen. To that. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you all, or be with you rather, amen. You may be seated, look down at your Bible, if you will, in the moments we have together, especially tonight, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. The Bible said in this text, quench not the spirit, quench not the spirit, the key to every meeting, the key to the Christian life is for you and I to obey the Holy Spirit within us. Now I want to preach on that subject for a little while. I believe if I give you the context of what this passage gives to us, and if you and I would leave this place tonight uh, desiring to obey God entirely and yield entirely to the Holy Spirit, I believe that our hearts will be helped, In this service this evening let's pray together father as we bow our heads and our hearts thank you for our dear brother who has labored so well ahead of us Lord we want to thank you for the challenge to taste it and not waste it no God I pray tonight that you would instill in every one of our hearts God to be careful not to waste the grace of God Thank you for the measure that you poured into every one of our lives. As I looked around at arms outstretched, I want to say thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that you poured into every life. Now, Lord, speak to us out of the book of God. Lord, there's not much I can do to help this audience unless the Holy Spirit that lives within me. God helps me in these few moments that we have together. Lord, how I desire to challenge you people to yield to the one that lives within them. Lord, I pray that you touch us tonight and use us to magnify the Son of God. And Lord, to edify the saints of God. I pray you'd get honor and glory to yourself through us. Help us not to rob you or take from you one ounce or one shred, one scrap of the glory that goes to you. And we'll thank you for it now. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you look at this text tonight, look down at your Bible where the Apostle Paul gives us this command. Quench not the Spirit. Unless you and I are controlled by the one that lives within us, we shall soon yield to the pressure around us. May God help us tonight to realize that the scripture said in Ephesians 3.20 that there is a power. The power that worketh in us is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Without him, it's hard to do the easiest things. With him, it's easier to do the hardest things. But that one that lives within you, the power that worketh in you, is the same power that... Moved in Genesis chapter one, when the Bible said the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. The same power that breathed on holy men of old, so that they were able to pin down the very inspired Word of God. The same power that moved in creation. The same power that worked in inspiration. The same power that overshadowed the womb of Mary and produced the sinless life of Christ. The same power that overshadowed that borrowed tomb where he laid down and brought forth the bodily resurrection of Christ. Oh, the same power that did all of that is the same power that lives within you in the person of the Holy Ghost of God. In the section we've read tonight, there's 22 commands in the section that we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. These commands are as important as those that were written with the finger of God on Mount Sinai. All of God's commands are important commands. This command perhaps is such a crucial one now for you and I have the responsibility to obey the Holy Spirit of God moment by moment in our lives. In a service like this, it's so crucial for you to know what God desires of you. What does he long from you and your life? in a service many times. uh, There'll be someone there that needs to obey God. Sometimes it's the man behind the pulpit. Most often he is leading the, the congregation through the scriptures and the leadership of God's Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's a testimony that may be the key to the meeting. No, but I'm glad tonight the one that lives within us is far greater than any pressure around us and we can yield to him tonight the power of the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us, that was there in creation, that was there through the inspiration of the scripture, that was there at the resurrection of Christ. All of that tonight, that same power is the power that lives within your heart. These commands in this section are important commands. Not only that, these commands are imperative commands. You say, why? In the the near context of 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19, these commands are imperative because they have a time element connected to them. Now listen very carefully. Look at your Bible. You're going to need it as I go through it tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. The Bible says that you and I, in verse 16, this is the, the near context, the Bible said rejoice evermore. Well, you can't rejoice evermore if you don't rejoice anymore. And a lot of people don't rejoice anymore. You can't rejoice evermore unless you you are rejoicing today. I believe that you and I ought to rejoice evermore. Then the Bible said, pray without ceasing. Well, you can't pray without ceasing if you've not been in prayer today. So these have a time element connected to them. The Bible said, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So not only are we to rejoice evermore, not only are we to pray without ceasing, we are to in everything give thanks. But if you have not thanked God for anything today from your heart. Now I'm not just talking about bowing your head and going through a semblance because you are ashamed not to. I'm talking about genuinely from your heart thanking God. We cannot rejoice evermore if we don't rejoice anymore. And what has happened to us in this hour? Why are we so doleful in the Christian life? My, those old saints, Brother Brown, when we'd go to the house of God, They'd get in the prayer room and they'd pray heaven down on us and and then they'd come out in the hall and roll out with their handkerchiefs waving and come up into the sanctuary and they would say hallelujah. Oh, I tell you, we couldn't hardly get the choir started up because they were so full of the joy of God and this Bible still tells you and I to rejoice evermore, hallelujah, and pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. But there is... In these things, today, an imperative time element connected to them. So we should be obeying them moment by moment in the Christian life. So I believe tonight not only are they imperative, they're also interrelated. Now look here in the context of the scripture. The Bible said that these Along with that element of thanksgiving, you would agree tonight that all the commands of God are the will of God. All the commands of God are the will of God. Not just to be thankful even though that is directly iterated here in the scripture. But all the commands of God are the will of God. These are said to be the will of God. So these affect the direction and the disposition of our lives. These are the pattern of a daily Christian behavior that is lived in the power of God in your life. If you are walking in the power of God, these practices will be so common. They will be like breathing, sneezing, and snoring. Hallelujah. You and I can live in the practice of all these. It is therefore the will of God and the desire of the Spirit for you and I to be a joyful Christian. The Bible said rejoice evermore. That is God desires his people to be joyful. My, I've seen better faces on iodine bottles than in some churches today. Now I'm wondering how do you get to look so sad? I remember when I was just a lad of a boy, uh, we didn't have any money. Our dad would get us and load us up He and mom in the car and we'd go riding out through the country. And sometimes we'd ride out every country road and we'd ride down every pig trail. And I remember one day we were riding down a long road and I spied a tree out there at the end of a driveway. Boy, it looked to me like a plum tree. I thought that's what it was. And I, I started getting excited in the back seat. I said, daddy, daddy, a plum tree. Will you please stop, please stop, a plum tree. And uh, he pulled over to the side. He said, sure. He looked over at mom and we all piled out. I thought nobody will beat me to that tree. I mean, I got to that tree. And I don't, I didn't, it didn't really dawn on me why he and mom didn't get out of the car. And I ran out there, I beat them all to the tree. I pulled one off, my sister pulled one off. My two brothers yanked them one off and we all bit down about the same time. But it wasn't a plum. It was a persimmon and it was green. And I looked just like some Baptists on Sunday morning that are just out of touch with God. I mean, my daddy was rolling in the car and I was... I was doing something like that, trying to get that off my tongue. It turned my tongue wrong side out. Oh, but I'm glad the Bible said that you and I can have joy. Not only that, the Bible said rejoice evermore. That is, you can be a joyful Christian. It's the will of God and the desire of the Spirit for you to be a joyful Christian. Now I tell you, there's something that got a hold of me. Brother Brown, as, as an old sinner that was out there in the world, I'd come into that house of God and uh, they'd go to me. Now I mean, they didn't hold anything back. Just like you do here. Now, I mean, I I'd, I'd, I'd sitting all the way at the back and that choir would crank up. They'd start raising their hands. Uh, and then about that time, somebody raised a shout and they'd praise the Lord. And then the man who became a Sunday school teacher, he ran up and down the aisles. Uh, he ran out on the porch and we had one of those old country bells out there an old church bell and they got to singing he ran all the way out the door he started ringing the bell saying hallelujah hallelujah we're having church I said to myself Lord there's something in this place I've never seen in my life I've never seen so many Christians so full of the joy of God He'd get up on the pew and wave his handkerchief and say hallelujah oh I'm glad I'm saved I said, oh God, these people have something in their heart I've never seen before. Thank God I believe it's the will of God for you and I to be a joyful Christian. The Bible said the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And they'd sing those songs, Joyful. Well, it's really, really bad when somebody gets up to sing and they sing a joyful song with a sour look on their face. It's really bad. But I believe God can give us some joy that can be contagious. And I remember as a young Christian, I'd go to that prayer room. I went on the first Sunday that I got saved. Now I got in that prayer room and listen, I, I was an old addict. I didn't know anything about church. I, I was like, Brother Watson, I didn't know where the books of the Bible were, anything like that. They said, come on, let's go to a prayer room. I said, what's a prayer room? They said, come on, we'll show you. And I got down there and I didn't know what they were gonna do. Boy, they got in that prayer room. They took some prayer requests. Pastor put his hand on my, on my shoulder and said, we're glad God saved this young man this morning. We've been praying for him. And he said, now let's pray. They turned around on those benches and they, they lit on that like a, like a pack of rabbit dogs on a hot trail I said my my I've never been anything like this and they'd pray heaven down in that place they'd come out of that prayer room waving their handkerchiefs they'd go up in the sanctuary the choir would get cranked up and they'd start rejoicing it would start waving their hands and shouting the victory I said hallelujah this is a crowd that's full of the joy of God and you know you can be full of the joy of God. You can with joy draw water out of the wells of salvation. It's the will of God and the desire of the Holy Ghost for you to be a joyful Christian. The Bible said joy. I I like all all the stages of it. The Bible said joy. Then the Bible tells us in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 6, 17 that God had given us richly all things to Enjoy. I like my papa. I like to sit at the table with him. He's from Chesterfield, South Carolina. He could enjoy food better than anybody ever seen in my life. I'd sit at the table, just a little boy, grandma would put something in front of him, he'd start eating it. I don't mean if it was if it was pickles or whatever it was. He'd bite it off and start eating it. He'd start. Mm, 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 mm. He look at me, so this is good. This is good. I say, Grandma, give me some of that. I want some of that. Please give me some of that. You say, Why? Because he enjoyed it so good. I believe you and I ought to come to church, and we ought to be so full of joy. And when they sing those songs, like they sang a little while, we ought to say, Oh, give me some of that, Lord. I pour it out on me, Lord. Let me have the joy of God, like they have. And that get up in that shout. I say, Lord, I want some of that. I want you to pour. Lord, on me, I thank God you and I can live a joyful life as a child of God. Joy, enjoy. And then Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Joy all over again. Can you imagine, we've been getting excited about the same thing that we've been getting excited about for the last 40 years. And it's still good to get excited about. It. Yeah. Sometimes they get to sing it. Sometimes they'll sing about. I remember Lodi Bar. And the next second on my eyes start leaking. And I start going back down to that old land of no pasture. I start thinking about the dryness and the dissatisfaction. And then I remember the king sent his chariot where I was. I praise his holy name. I sent his ambassador down and knocked on my heart's door. And he said, the king's got a message for you. He wants you to come and live in his palace. And then I realized he came down and found me in it brought me to his riches he found me in my my squalor and he made me a prince oh and I say hallelujah I'm glad I'm a child of the king I say I've got something to be happy about I've got something to rejoice about I believe it's a will of God for you and I to be a joyful Christian and when the world looks at us they ought to see something that is joyful I got so tickled one night at the nursing home one of my guys was preaching years ago and I know some of the older folks had some health problems and bless his heart, he poured everything he had into it. And he's talking about the joy of God and it seemed like the harder he preached, the harder they looked at him. And I mean, he's pouring it out. I mean, he's giving it all he has. And he's talking about joy. And it's a joy. And they just look at him. And I thought, boy, you're getting some training here. You really need to have. You're getting some training here. Because one of these days you'll get behind the pulpit at a Baptist church. And you'll be preaching about joy. And you'll look out there and see some that it looks like they never had a happy day in their life. Boy, but it's the will of God for you and I to be a joyful Christian. Not only that, are you with me now? It's the will of God not only for us to be a joyful Christian, but notice the context. Verse number 17. It's the will of God for you and I to be a prayerful Christian. A prayerful Christian. Sadly, one of the things that has been often neglected now is this matter of having a vital prayer life. One of the things, Brother Brown, that made me so hungry is to go into that prayer room with those old timers. And I, I guess I was a little bit selfish because I got in there and I, there's some of them just get hooked in it seemed like and I'd scooch over there real close to them and I'd say, Lord, I don't know what Brother Charlie's got but I want a double dose of it. Lord, I don't know what Brother Wayne's got But when he gets out of here, he's so full of joy, he goes stomping up and down the hall and waving his handkerchief. Lord, I don't know what he's got, but I want a double dose of it. I want you to touch me so I can seek your face and so I can pray and get in the throne room of God. Oh, you and I that are saved tonight ought to be a prayerful Christian. One of the crowning sins of our generation is prayerlessness. You can get a lot of Christians to do many things. One thing, the most difficult thing to motivate people to do is to get them to pray and really to seek God. In fact, you could probably get them to come over here and have a whole work day before you could get them to stay an hour in the prayer room and pray and seek God. But you and I ought to be prayerful Christians. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. In everything. That is, you ought to be praying about everything in your life, even the simplest task. You ought to say, Lord, I need your help with this. Lord, I'm about to do this and I need your help with this. Lord, I'm about to make this decision. I want to make sure that I, I have your leadership on this. You and I are to pray about everything. The Bible said in 1 Timothy 2, 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Not only should we pray about everything, we ought to pray everywhere. Then the Bible tells us that we ought to pray always. Ephesians 6, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching there until with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Are you with me now? It's the will of God and the desire of the Spirit for you to be a joyful Christian. It's the will of God and the desire of the Spirit for you to be a prayerful Christian. It's the will of God and the desire of the Spirit, verse 18, for you to be a thankful Christian. Why does it seem to be so difficult for us to tell our Lord publicly how thankful we are? Why is it so awkward? I've been in places where a pastor would have to say, has anybody got a testimony? Anybody got a word? Crickets. And I'm thinking, Lord, you have done so much for every one of us. Why are we so backwards? Why are we so uh, silent when it comes to the goodness of God? You see, you and I that are saved, thanksgiving is an indication that we perceive the goodness of God in our life. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And you and I that are saved ought to be the most thankful people on earth. I heard about an old fellow lot like myself the lord drug him out of the bottom of the barrel and they got out to a meeting like this with a bunch of preachers and the pastor didn't really know the man he called on him to pray i guess he thought he was going to do a real quick lord thank you. good lord good meat thank you lord let's eat that old man got drug out of the bottom of the barrel he stood up and he started praying and started squalling. said, Lord, I want to thank you for saving me, bringing me this far. Let me be here with these Christian people. Lord, you brought me out of a drunkard's life. You saved my soul. Well, about that time, they started dropping their dishes and dropping their forks. And it just got to pouring out his heart. And he said, Lord, I want to say thank you for saving an old wretch like me. And thank you for this food, Lord. And thank you for these Christian people And he poured out his heart to God, hallelujah. Why is it that we are so thankless in times like these? In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Brother Brown Paul said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He starts to describe the hour that we would all probably agree that we're living in. He gives us at least 21 sins that describe the last days. And the seventh sin in the catalog of the characteristics of the last days is unthankful. Unthankful. Now listen to the the next one. Unholy. Before men become unholy, they have likely first become unthankful. See, before you drift down the path of rebellion and waywardness, you have first begun to take the blessings of God for granted in your life. You begin to take for granted the blessings of God poured out on your life. Sometimes when I'm up in a place like this, I'll think back down memory lane just a little bit. Brother Brown, I'll think about days. I couldn't even remember how I got home. I'll think about pies, of rebellion. I'm not trying to magnify sin. I'm simply trying to say to the Lord, Lord, thank you for saving an old wretch like me, allowing me to be an instrument of your grace and be an avenue of your glory. Oh, God, help me to be a thankful Christian, hallelujah. It's the will of God and the desire of the spirit for you and I to be a joyful Christian. It's the will of God and the desire of the spirit for you and I to be a prayerful Christian. It's the will of God and the desire of the spirit for you and I to be a thankful Christian. But I'll tell you, you can't be any of those things or any of the other virtues in the Christian life consistently unless you're a powerful Christian. And you cannot be a powerful Christian unless you stop quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Now, all the emblems of the Spirit are very vivid in the Bible. This one likens the power of God's Holy Ghost to a fire. A fire burning on the inside of you. The emblem of fire is very vivid in the scripture. The power and the purifying permeating ministry of the Holy Ghost is like a flame in our heart burning in our heart Now I want to tell you that flame never goes out you'll never convince me the Holy Spirit stops speaking or stops working he may be quenched in you because you have doused him as a flame you have repressed his ministry you have extinguished that flame you have quenched that passion you have checked that work but he's working far more than we are probably willing to admit it I say tonight you and I that are saved here tonight need to be sure that we stop quenching the Holy Ghost of God now you need to live a powerful life and God has put that power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you the same power that operated in creation the same power that operated in the inspiration of the Scripture. The same power that overshadowed Mary's womb and produced the sinless humanity of Christ. The same power that brought Christ out of the grave in the resurrection. Same power that's working on the inside of you. The key to many services is have we obeyed God in this place tonight? Sometimes I've found that a service will get bound. You can feel it, preacher, in your spirit. Sometimes you'll say to yourself, Lord, I've got the right message. I know I've prayed. I've sought you and you can't really just understand or seem to discern what it is. And someone has quenched the Holy Spirit of God. When I think about this tonight, I I was praying about this very thing in my ministry. I I said, Lord, I I need for you to help me to get these people off the seemingly the back lines of spiritual service and get them to the front lines. I want to get these that seemingly are uninvolved or seemingly distanced from where they are and get them to where they ought to be. He said, I could get them there if they'd stop quenching the Holy Spirit of God. And yet that is the problem many times. I said we cannot be any of these virtues that we just talked about unless we live a powerful life. The problem is we continually quench the Holy Spirit of God. I believe that you and I can sin against the Holy Spirit I don't believe we can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's not a sin that a Christian can commit. But we can quench the Holy Spirit and we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can lie to the Holy Spirit. I I fear that possibly one of the doctrines of the New Testament that has been so sorely neglected is the ministry of the Holy Spirit so much so that believers today don't even understand what His ministry is and how His power can be released into their life. The Holy Spirit is like a burning fire working in your heart. He long to set you on fire for God. Amen. Now I'm going to say this tonight. You can quench the Holy Spirit. That is, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. Grieving is what the Holy Spirit does because of what we do. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. That all bitterness and wrath and anger and all those sins that, that grieve the Holy Ghost of God, quenching is what we do to him within us. And uh, the Bible teaches grieve and chokes the inlet of God's power. It will not let the power of God flow into your life. Quenching, my friend, chokes the outlet of power. It will not let the power of God flow out of the life. Oh, that you and I tonight would say, to God, Lord, I long to cease, to quench the Holy Ghost of God. I long to follow you. I long to be obedient to you step by step in my life. This is probably one of the greatest keys to the Christian life. There are no secrets to the Christian life. There are keys found in the scripture. Now I want to give you this just quickly and I'll be done. There are many Christians tonight that do not obey the prompting of God's Spirit. Sadly, what we have missed in services when people have not obeyed God. Sometimes, sadly, I have to say that there have been times that I have missed God. As a preacher, there have been times I have missed God. There have been times, though, I have obeyed God. I got to the pulpit one Sunday morning. Man, I was chomping at the bits to preach and there was sinners in the building. Man, I was ready. I, I wanted to fire my gospel gun and give the gospel the good news of Christ. And uh, some of our people that had gotten saved got to their feet and started squalling. And they started telling the glorious things that God had done for them, how he had saved them, how he had changed their life. I said, Lord, help them to hurry up. I, I'm ready to preach. He said, be quiet. I said, all right, Lord. He said, I'm preaching to him right all over this audience right now. And I watched those vistas sitting there. As those old sinners stood up and said, I want to thank God for saving me. I want to thank him for what he's done in my life. I want to thank Jesus Christ for changing me. I'm so glad that I took him as my Lord and Savior. He's made me a new creature all over that audience. They got a message from God, from those that had been washed in the blood and transformed by the power of God. Oh, that you and I would just get so tender and sensitive to God. We'd say, Lord, I need your power. I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to quench you. I want to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now listen carefully. You and I can live a powerful life. And the most prosperous and growing Christians are those that obey God moment by moment. Moment by moment. Sometimes it is the impulse of God upon your heart From the Holy Spirit that says, go and speak to that person over there. Our fleshly tendency is to say, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know who that is, and I I, I'm afraid I'm no, no. The God that is working on you is gonna work on that person over there. Now, listen carefully. What happens? That, that person that walks with God learns to obey the touch of God on their heart. That preacher that learns to walk with God has learned to obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit in preaching the word of God. And the, the Christian that is hid in the cleft of the rock and following closely to the Lord, has learned to yield to God and yield up to the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God moment by moment in their life and not quench the Holy Ghost. I was sitting at the house in my study one day and a young man, if I called his name, some of you would know him. He sent me a text. He said, Preacher, I'm about to preach He said, I'm struggling. And he said, this building's full. This man man has been widely used of God, a young man. God's got his hand on his life. He said, I'm struggling in my heart. He said, can you help me? I said, first of all, tell God you don't care about your reputation. Tell God you don't care what anybody thinks about you. You just want to please him. I said, tell the Lord you're willing to do whatever He tells you to do. Whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. And obey Him step by step. Boy, I'll tell you tonight, if you and I would just say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it, I want to obey the Holy Ghost step by step. I I want to walk in your power. I don't want to live my life in a defeated way. Oh, but God, I want to live my life in the power of the fire of God and the oxen of God and live in the power of God in my heart. Now here's what happens. I'm almost done. Stay with me, all right? What happens is you and I don't obey the Holy Spirit and we quench the Holy Spirit of God. We do so when we retreat into sin. When you and I retreat into sin, we quench the Holy Spirit of God. What has affected the Christian life with so many in such a great way, but the fact that they have quenched the Holy Spirit of God. What's robbed the believer of joy and victory and power? Everything that the Bible describes it to be. The norm of the Christian life is to be lived in joy and victory and power. What has happened? What has happened is you and I have said to God, no, he said, go over there and talk to that person. And we said, Lord, I don't have time right now. I've got to go down here and do that. I've got to go over here. And God, the Holy Spirit said, I said, go. Oh, if you and I would just say, yes, Lord, I'll go right now. Touch me and teach me. Turn me and help me. But what happens is that we quench the power of the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts. We retreat into sin. It affects not only the Christian, it affects our churches. What has done more to affect the atmosphere of our churches than, than those who have refused to obey His prompting on the inside? What is, has what is affected the atmosphere of our church? And I want to say this tonight your pastor is going to be prepared to bring a message. But you bring the atmosphere. You bring the atmosphere. Your pastor is going to do all he can to provide and prepare his heart to bring God's message, but you bring the atmosphere. And it's not that the preacher has struck out at times, but he has brought a message from God and yet the hearts of people were not prepared to receive what God has given from his book and because of that, the the very purpose of God has been defeated. What has done more to kill our churches and to stop the flow of worship and the influence of God's power but that quenching of the Holy Ghost of God There's times when God wants us to lay aside our program. Every one of us have an order of service. All of us. It's not bad at all. Not bad at all. We have one like you have here. Certain songs, choir singing, or a certain format that you follow, nothing wrong with that at all. But there are going to be times when the Holy Ghost is going to get involved in the service and he's going to step in. And if you are tender and if you allow God's man to lead you in the paths of worship, oh, he can take you some places and you can experience the joy of God in your heart. And the gift of worship can be laid down at Jesus' feet. And we can go home from the house of God and we can say, oh, the Lord has met with us today. Oh, bless him holy name and when it's all said and done and the smoke clears a few people may have gotten saved and somebody got restored but most of all God had his way in the house of God. What happens though is sometimes we refuse his work in our hearts. What has stopped revival at times when a church gets in that momentum when God begins to revive his people and a breakthrough is coming. And as a man of God, he can begin to sense that. And the meeting might be scheduled to go through a certain night and God says, I'm not done. And you've got to be willing enough as a church family, to say, preacher, whatever God says. That's exactly what we're going to do. If the Lord wants us to stay here at a pumpkin pulling time, we just want to just go ahead and unhook and get with God. And we want to let God have his way. Oh, what's caused churches to become cold? It's when we get to idea we start at 11 o'clock sharp and in that 12 o'clock dull. Oh, but if we let God have his way, it'll be a Amazing what he can do, hallelujah. If you and I would not be afraid to let God have his way. What's caused so many Christians to become critical and cynical but walking in their own power, living a self-driven, flesh-driven life. You'll even get to the point where you think you can kind of critique the pastor. Well, you know, I just don't think he should have done it like that. And our pastor, he's all right and all that, but, you know, he's just, you know, he's just a little extreme about a few things. And how long have you been pastoring? Now, what year was it you were called? How many years in the ministry now? You know, it'd really be a happy day in your life if you just let the pastor be the pastor. It's when we not only retreat into sin, but we refuse his ministry. The ministry of the Holy Ghost, the marvelous ministry of that one who, Paul said, is the power that worketh in us. You know, he came to endow you for God. He has endowed you with certain sacred spiritual gifts. Every believer has been endowed with certain sacred spiritual gifts. Every believer has at least one. Most of you have more than one. Many of them are overlapping gifts so that if God may have endued you with one or endowed you with one, He may have also endowed you with several others that work in in a complementary way with that gift. Yet sometimes He's leading He's directing, he's urging, and we're not listening to what he has to say. And I found the same people are so so much of an expert about how everything ought to be done, but they're not an example of almost anything good or godly. That is a little bit uncanny, isn't it? We're talking about refusing his ministry. What has caused you to drift from the services and become unfaithful to God? What has caused you to disobey the Scripture? What has caused you to disregard your priorities? What has caused you to live an inconsistent life? What has caused you to become indifferent? What has brought you to the place where now you have an irregular walk with God? Is it not that quenching of the Holy Spirit of God? I'm almost done. Now, are you with me? If you and I would resolve in our heart not to retreat into sin, not to refuse his ministry, and probably last and most detrimental of all, not to rely upon ourselves. Oh, yes. Not to rely upon ourselves. Yes, Several years ago, I was preaching over in the Pickens County area at the camp meeting there. This old preacher man in that community. It's a hero of mine. When I first started pastoring, Brother Brown. He took me and my wife in like we was his own youngins. He'd say after revival at his church, Brother Tommy, you and Miss Glenna come on down to the house. We'd sit down there and we'd talk about the things God had done in his life. When I I went there to preach that meeting, I I found out that he lived in that community and he was in poor health. Had every intention in my mind and heart. To go there that day and visit and encourage him and ask him to lay his hands on me and pray over me. We got there to his home and we sat together and I said, Preacher, I said, just tell me some things that God has done for you. And he shared instance after instance, time after time, of how God had worked in his life. I just like a little kid at Christmas time sitting there listening to the stories of exploits for God of a man that had learned how to obey the Holy Ghost in his life. There are some things you cannot learn in a Bible college. There are some things you cannot learn in a classroom. You have to learn them in the closet with God. And I remember we got down to the end and I... He looked at me and he said, Brother Tommy, he said, I want you to pray for us. And I said, no, preacher. I said, no. I said, I came here for you to pray for me. He said, no, Brother Tommy. He said, I I need you to pray for me and my wife. She had had a heart attack. He had lost 100 pounds. It's a shadow of the man that he was. He said, I really believe God wants you to pray for us. And I got down in the floor and the Holy Ghost of God fell on us in that place. God allowed us to have communion with another world. No, I want to tell you, those those old timers had such an affinity. They didn't care who was happy or unhappy. They desired to please God and to follow God implicitly in their life. Something happens when a person begins to think that they can run their Christian life without the help of God. When a person withdraws their mind from the influence of the scripture, when they refuse the divine voice of God on the inside of their heart, when they become slothful about that prayer place and that prayer time, when they get to the place where they're indifferent about the most important things of life, they're in an awfully tragic condition in their life. The whole ploy of Satan is to cause you as a believer to live your life independently apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how he gets you there. If it's intellectualism, self-sufficiency, carnality. It doesn't matter how He gets you there. As long as He can get you to the point where you're willing to live independently of God and His power. And I want to say tonight, the Holy Spirit longs for us to live in His presence. I believe the things that separated the generation before us from the generation now is those old timers knew they had to have the touch of God on their life. They knew it didn't come out of a can and it wasn't going to be whipped up or worked up that it had to come by paying the price and yielding to God. There's no shortcut for it. You've got to be willing to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm nothing and you're everything. Teach me, Lord, to follow you. Sometimes that's the whole key to a service just like this. Teach me, Lord, to follow you. Sometimes in a testimony meeting, one testimony will turn the tide in a meeting because that person has fully obeyed God. Sometimes, even in a preacher's life, God will speak to his heart. I remember years ago, I was in a mission conference. I was preaching, I'm done, almost preacher, I I mean that. I was in a mission conference. And I was to preach two nights and go back home on Wednesday. I got there in the office and I already had my message prepared. I thought, I sat down, and the more I looked at it, the stranger it got. I said, oh Lord. I pushed back from the desk and I raised my hand. I said, Lord, whatever, whatever you want is what I want. You show me what you want me to do. When I, I opened my Bible, Romans 8, and my eyes landed on that text. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I got a piece of paper out. I know this wasn't pretty, but I started, I started writing some things down. And I couldn't hardly write it down fast enough. We got to church that night, and we had a meeting, and I preached from that text. I said, "No, I was in this series. I said, but God gave me this. I can't get away from it. I've got to preach it tonight. We got finished with the service. The altar call was had. We were really just about to dismiss. And I said, "Are all heart's clear. And a lady about midway back, squalling, whole face was red, tears pouring down her face. She said, Preacher, can I say something? I said, Go right ahead, sister. She said, I went down to that little job I have today at the meal. They told us after we got there and started to work as it were, they called us all in a circle and said, Now, we hate to tell you this, but your job is finished today. We're closing the plant. Go ahead and go to your lockers and get your stuff out. You're free to go. She said, I got back to my little vehicle and over there on the the seat was my Bible. She said, I started to cry. She said, Lord, you know, I need this job. Our family needs the money that it brings in. She said, I I know you're going to help me. I I really need something from the Bible. She opened up her Bible, preacher. Guess what verse she looked at? If God be for us, who can be against us? She said, when you stood up and read the text tonight, my eyeballs just about fell out. She said, Lord, this has got to be you. She said, boy, God really helped my heart tonight. I'm not always that sensitive. I'm not trying to be a hero tonight. There have been too many times I've missed it. But there's a lot of times I should have listened to the Lord and not quenched
1: the Holy Spirit. Pastor, I'm done. You come. Before you you come down, I want to say this. Thank you, preacher. Last thing I said to you before you started preaching, and I had no idea what you was going to preach. I said, I trust you to mind the Holy Spirit of God. Is Is that not what I said to him? And here's what I thought about. Listen to me. I'm done. Listen to me if every member of the church would follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God like you expect the preacher to, we could have revival. Now we can have an invitation. Altar's open if you need to come. Brother Payne's on the piano. Brother Winsel, thank you for mining God tonight. If every member of the church learned what it meant to quench not the Holy Spirit and grieve not the Holy Spirit, There is no telling. There is absolutely no telling what God can do in this church. You've heard me tell the story before. In Acts chapter number two, 3,000 people got saved. And it wasn't because Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. All 120 members of the church were full of the Holy Ghost. Peter preached and 3,000 people got saved. There was 119 spirit-filled church members standing behind him. I wonder what God could do at Calvary. If we could all get on the same page with God. I mean, just sensitive. Real sensitive. And all God had to do was just look at us and shake his head. And we'd stop, we'd quit. Look at us and nod, and we'd start. Just in sync with God, in sync with the Holy Ghost. Every day, all day long, just walking in the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit, listening to His voice, because He will lead you. The question is, are you following? He will talk to you. The question is, are you listening? Spirit-filled church. Spirit-filled preacher. Spirit-filled sensitive pastor and preacher and staff members and Sunday school teachers and Bus workers and nursery workers and laymen in the pews in tune with God, listening to the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it means. Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh.